Amen. I want to get right into the word today. I was speaking uh, to you guys from the book of Esther. I had spoken on it about a month ago now, and then I, um, the last two weeks, just spoke on the one passage where she says, where it says that she was born, she was put in the palace, she is here where she is at, just like you are here where you're at for such a time as this. And then she responds with an okay, with a yes to the call. And if I die, I die. If this is what I've got to do, then this is what I've got to do. This is why I've been born. And I had a a subtle sub example that was, I had didn't even connect the dots until this week. It was just stirring in me all week that I had made a reference in each of those sermons to planting and to seeds, to gardening. I didn't even realize, I want to tell you that I'm that good and that I had that all figured out, but I made a gardening reference and seed reference two weeks ago, and then I did it last week with the scripture, but never saw that God was connecting some dots here. And then all week, actually, I was having a conversation with Dan on Wednesday, and something came up, and he said, about, talked about the seed in the ground. And all the week that this verse has been burning in my heart, and it's the verse, it says in John chapter 12, verse 23, Jesus is just about to go to the cross. He's about to spend some intimate time with his disciples. He's done uh, with his interaction with the world. And he's just going to spend some time with them only for a little while before he goes to the cross. And he says, now the time has come. Well, that's an interesting connection, isn't it? And look at the other connection. The time has come. The time is now. I've been saying this theme that your time is now. Your appointed time was the day you were born. God knows what he's doing and you were born for a reason. You weren't born by accident. Doesn't matter what your parents thought when you happened. God puts you there that moment God knew what he was doing. The Bible says you were formed in your mother's womb and it was on purpose. Your appointed time is now. And Jesus says the same thing of himself. I was born for this time. And in verse 23, he said, now the time has come for the son of man to enter into his glory. Jesus understood the times. He understood that he was here for a purpose. Jesus taught us what life was about. Life at the time was about, uh, he said, that the time would come that we're going to live in, that we're living in now. It says the time will come. It'll be like the days of Noah, and they're just giving in marriage and having parties, and they're doing this and doing that, and they're doing their own thing, and life goes on. And really, that's the same thing that's been happening all through history. It's the same thing that was happening when he came now. They were just going through life, and here Jesus comes and interrupts their their time, interrupts them, and those that turned found him, and they found the answer, and those that rejected him went on living the lives that they lived, and Jesus tells us that it was meaningless. It was like sand. At one point, at some point, you're going to cross over and what you've done with your life is going to be tested by fire. 
This is the word of God. It's not my opinion. And he said, if you've built it with, with the things of heaven, gold and silver and precious stones, if you've built it with the, the heavenly elements, then it's going to last into eternity. But if you built it with wood, hay and stubble, with the things of the flesh, the things, the natural things, the worldly things, if you built your own kingdom here, if you did your own thing on this earth, it's going to be burned up. And so here's Jesus in verse 23. He realizes who he is. He knows his mission. He knows what he's about. And he's trying to get his people to realize the same mission is within them. And he says in verse 24, I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies. This has just been going through my heart all week. I didn't even realize it was just, it's like in there. It's in your spirit. You know, you're just going through life and then you, you realize that, hey, I've been thinking about this a lot. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. It says, but it's death. Listen, look what it says. But it's death will produce many new kernels. A plentiful harvest of new lives. Jesus is talking about himself. Jesus said, this is my time. This is what I'm here for. This is my purpose. And it is to die. That was my purpose. I was born to die. And I'm willing to do it. Jesus said he was willing to do it because if he would die... If he would plant himself in the soil and die, look what it says. My death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. And we could say, wow, that's amazing. That's the gospel message. That's Jesus. That's what he said of himself. And we could leave it there. But he goes on to say in verse 25, those who love their life in this world will lose it. Why did Jesus say this immediately following? Why did Jesus say the time has come for the Son of Man to enter His glory? The time's come for me to do what I'm here to do. And it's okay that I'm going to die. They didn't even understand His parable yet. They didn't even understand the analogy. But it's okay that I'm going to die because if I die, this, this kingdom, this thing within me is going to sprout into the faith we have today. And it's okay that I'm going to do this, but why would he follow immediately in verse 25 with those who love their life in this world will lose it? Why does he immediately, he talks about himself and then immediately talks to us. He's talking to his disciples here. And it says, those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Let's read that one more time. Those who love their life in this world will Lose it. But those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. And anyone, verse 26, who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. Where's Jesus? What did Jesus just say of himself? Where's Jesus? Jesus said in 24 that he's a kernel of wheat that is planted and died to produce a harvest. And he said that those who try to hold on to their life and aren't willing to do the example I'm teaching you here, those who are trying to hold on to it 
A seed on the ground stays a seed and eventually dries, takes some time, right? It's an amazing thing that God created these seeds. They fall from trees and they just sit on the ground for a good amount of time before they die. But eventually, it's just going to dry up and die unless it's planted in the ground. Unless that seed, that, that's you. Unless you put yourself in the ground as Christ did. It says, anyone who wants to serve me, and follow me must be where I am. Well, where am I? I am in the ground. I have given up my life. I'm not trying to hold on to it. I'm laying it down because I'm here for a purpose. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. He says in verse 27, now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. So we have Jesus in verse 23 and Jesus in verse 27, and he sandwiches us right in between. Jesus says that he came for a purpose, and his purpose was to die to produce a harvest. And in 27, that he's not going to pray to save God, don't save me from this hour. Should I say, should I pray this prayer? He does pray that prayer. Lord, is there another way? But he's willing. He's saying, this is the reason I'm here. This is the reason I came. And we are right in between. It's easy to look at Jesus and see what he did and be thankful for what he did and forget that we are intertwined into his story. The reason Jesus came was to save humanity. Absolutely. Jesus came to die for you today. Whether you like it, whether you receive it, the world's not receiving it, but Jesus still died for them. And that is without you receiving it, that is done, finished. I'll say that every week. Jesus loves you so much, right? I said, I'm going to, I promised you, I'm going to start saying that every week. You can never be accused of the bigotry and the hatred. Jesus loves you. Is that enough out there on the airwaves? Jesus loves you so much so that he died for you. But he's teaching us something here. If you want to live, if you want to live in eternity, if you want to take anything into eternity, if you want to preserve your life, do as I do. Follow me. Stay close to me. And I'm going to teach you the pattern, Jesus said. Jesus said, it's like this. When one man lays his life down for another, it's a picture of the greatest love. Jesus said, I'm going to pay a price, but it's going to produce a great harvest. And Jesus is saying that to us today, just as he said it to his disciples. Pay the price. Don't worry about your life. Don't try to hold on to it because there's nothing in your grip. There's nothing that you can hold on to in your life. There's nothing for you to gain here. The only thing of value is eternity. It's eternity. The only thing of value is what you do in Christ. Let's look into this for a little bit today. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, verse 42, 
And we're talking about the resurrection, but it says in the same way with the resurrection of the dead, our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die. It says, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. Now, this is, a, this is talking of the resurrection. This is talking of a time to come for us here. This time has not come yet. This is talking about the body that you're in now will go into the ground and a supernatural spiritual body will be given to you. But Jesus really showed us and you hear me say this a lot, that he died before the cross, that his death occurred way before the cross. His death occurred the moment he said yes, the moment he said yes to God, that I'll do what you've called me to do. The moment he said, I'm going to die, I'm going to pay the price, I'm willing, he already died right then and there. And this is what the Bible tells us. It tells us this in Colossians 3, tells us this in Romans and Ephesians that we actually are already dead right now when you say yes to Christ. The moment you say yes to Christ, you are still housed in this tent, this body. Paul says, I kind of want to go be with Christ, but I'm going to stay here for the sake of spreading the gospel to more people. And he was already dead. He had already submitted, already gave his will. He was already paying the price. He was still housed inside of a body, but the body was just a shell for some temporary time on this earth. So what does it tell us? Well, in Galatians 2, verse 20, it says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. Look what he says here. My old self has been crucified with Christ. What does that say? It is no longer I who live. This is the Christian. This is speaking. Jesus showed us from his own mouth. And here we are in Galatians. Jesus is, has gone. He's paid the price. He's risen again. And they're writing to the church, encouraging the church. And he's saying, I'm doing exactly what Jesus told us. That just as Jesus paid the price, just as Jesus laid his life down, that's me too. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body. So you see what it says? I live in this earthly body. But he says, I live in this earthly body. He's the body is nothing. This world is nothing. He's living in this body, but that's not him. I live in this body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's an interesting thing. If you look at the Bible, there's a lot about seeds. Last week, we talked about the seed of the word. Last week, we looked at how Jesus told us a parable, he tells us in Luke, and you can see it in Matthew as well, in Matthew 13, but he talks about the parable of the seed, the word of God. The Bible says that it is so important. Remember last week, how your, the condition of your heart is. The Bible tells us that 
it's the good soil in Luke chapter 8, verse 15. It's the seeds that fell on good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word. This is the key. It's people who hear God's word and cling to it and patiently produce a huge harvest. So last week we looked at the seed of the word of God that gets planted in your heart. And right when we talked about it, there's some different heart conditions that we can have. We can have a soft soil in our heart that receives his word, verse 15. But we can also have, a, in verse 14, it talks about the seed falling among the thorns. And it's the cares of this life. It's the cares of this life and the things of this life that crowds out the message, and it says they never grow into maturity. In verse 13, there's a rocky soil that we can receive his word, but there's no depth. We believe for a little while, then we fall away because of temptation. And then there's the hard soil where it just can't take root at all. And the Bible tells us that there's a condition of your heart to receive God's word. But isn't this interesting that God calls his word a seed? And meanwhile, Jesus calls himself a seed, and then we're also intertwined within that. So what is this telling us? Well, this is, this is very interesting because Jesus told us. He said in Matthew 13, verse 31, here is another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. I started meditating on this, and I started just realizing what God is telling us. Jesus is a seed that goes into your heart. Who's received Jesus into your heart? And depending on your heart condition, sometimes we receive Jesus and it just, you know, we said yes to him, but it either bounces right off of us or we, we receive him for a while, then we get doing our own things. We get tempted, we get pulled away, all kinds of things, right? But it's the one with the soft soil that the seed goes down inside and begins to grow. Now, I started thinking about this. <clears throat> Jesus is a seed in your heart that's growing in you. Where do seeds come from? The seed, I mean, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, in today's whatever God wanted to do, that's up to him. But now, seeds come from plants. If God planted a seed in the ground or he planted a tree in the ground, I don't really care. Because the world we live in right now, a seed comes from a tree, comes from a plant, comes from fruit. Something grows, produces a seed, and then the seed goes back into the ground and produces another, ready, like its kind. So if Jesus is the seed in our heart, then what should we look like when he's planted in there? We should start looking a lot and a lot and a lot less like us and a lot more like Jesus. 
The DNA of Christ is put in you. Just as you, now check this out. If you had a seed put in you and you've become a plant, what do you become? A seed bearing plant. That means that what is coming out of you is also the same thing that was put in you. So Jesus is put in you, you become like him, but you also are not just stuck there. If you were, what does the Bible tell us? A plant that doesn't produce fruit, then you are useless. Eventually the gardener is going to cut that plant down and burn it. He's got no use for it. But if you are a plant that produces what you were planted to grow for, then the gardener is very happy with you. He's going to prune you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you because you're producing what he planted you for. We need to realize something. I think too many times as Christians, we get way too entitled. Jesus did so much for us. He paid such an enormous price for us. And I'm so grateful. And he will love you whether you accept him or not. And he will love you in whatever, stat, whatever state you accept him in. He will still love you. But the ultimate goal is for you to become like him. That's one. And two, to start producing him. If those two things are not happening in you, then we need to go back to last week's sermon Go check the soil again. Go check your heart again, because if the heart is right, Jesus' seed, let me tell you, is not tainted. There's no problem with his seed. His seed has no issues. What's the issue with planting? What do we run into when you buy the little packet of seeds? Do we buy dud seeds? I don't think so. It's the soil. It's the sun. It's the water. It's the care. It's the fertilizer, etc., it's where it's planted. That's our job. And to be honest, you ready for this? That's your only job. That's your only job is your heart. It, that's it. Because the seed's going to do what it does on its own. And this is what I was discussing with Dan. This is what happens. Isn't this an incredible thing? Jesus is in the seen realm, right? We, 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 suddenly our eyes are open to him, the seed of the word. And suddenly I want that in me, right? It becomes something visible. But then when Jesus goes inside, he goes into a place in you that's unseen. He comes, he goes from a place of I want you in me. And then it's like, well, what are you doing in me? How are you going to do it? We start questioning all these things of how's Jesus going to do it? And when are you going to do this? And when are you going to give me that? And how is it going to be this? And when am I going to grow to this? And when am I going to start producing this? And all these questions are irrelevant. The question you need to be asking is, let's just keep cultivating this soil, just keep this soil soft and moist. We talked about this last week, but I'm laying this foundation again because it's so important so that the seed that's in you will do what it was planted there to do, and it will, this is the mystery. This is the amazing thing. I, I think it's funny that science thinks they've got it all figured out. As if a seed going into the ground is not supernatural. 
That's insane. When you plant this tiny little seed in the ground and a flower pops up, it doesn't look even a tiny bit like that seed. Not even a little. And think about an acorn going into the ground, producing an oak. There is not even remotely anything similar except the DNA that was in there. The DNA was in that acorn all along. It just needed to be planted. But it becomes something, something supernatural. Something happens. Now that's just this earth. That's just, we're talking natural things here. Take it, talking about a natural seed. The same thing is happening. Jesus is not, he does not speak by mistake. The things that Jesus said were not an accident. He knew what he was saying, and he meant what he said. And what he said is, if I'm a seed, and then he talks about a seed a couple of times in the word, doesn't he? He talks about the kingdom of God being just like a mustard seed. In Matthew 13, verse 31, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. The kingdom of heaven is something, it looks so tiny. Jesus, when you receive him, right, you don't even know. When you first come to him, when you know nothing, you haven't been raised in it, you have no idea what he's about to do in you and how he's going to do it, but you just know you need it. But something begins to happen, something so tiny, something so minuscule, something kicked over by the world. It's little, it's kicked over, it's, it's, what is that? If you just looked at the grain, if you just looked at the seed, you would think it was nothing. There's no, there's no significance to it. And yet it becomes, he said, the largest. It becomes bigger than you. It becomes bigger than you. And what the Lord is looking for you to do is put your faith in him. And this is, this is significant. It's so significant that we that he talked about seeds because then he says the same thing. He talks about the seed, the mustard seed being like the kingdom of God, but then he also compares our faith to the mustard seed. Well, this is also incredibly interesting, God. You didn't do this by accident. Why did you compare the kingdom of God to the mustard seed, but then you also compared our faith if it was as small as a mustard seed, that's all he needs. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says all I need is just a little bit. He said in Matthew chapter 17, just a few chapters later, he said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Again, Jesus doesn't, he didn't speak by accident. He knew what he was saying. He was led with everything he said. He said, I don't do anything. I don't say anything that God hasn't directed me. God knows what he's doing, and he's teaching us something here. He said, take your tiny bit of you, Take the little bit of you. You now, if the seed was put in you, now you have become a seed as well. This is what I want to encourage you with today, that you have become a seed. You are a seed. That's who you are. If, if he produced something in you, he produced you to be a seed. Well, Jesus taught us the pattern. There's only one way. 
If you try to hang on to you and just try to be you and try to say, well, thank you, Jesus, for planting me. Thank you, Jesus, for freeing me. Thank you, Jesus, you've made me this abundant plant. You've made me this abundant, spread out plant, and I'm so thankful, God, for what you did in my life. You've spread me out. It was something so small, and I couldn't believe it when you did it in me, and I'm so thankful. But if you stay there, if you camp there, and you don't also become a seed yourself, then there's no point for you to be there. There's no point. The Lord spoke to me. He said, you can't muster up faith, though. You need to be mustered faith. You can't muster up faith. You need to be mustered faith. What Jesus is encouraging us today is to trust him. To trust him. If the seed will produce on its own, then all the seed needs to worry about is being the seed. And all the soil needs to worry about is being the soil. It's not your job to try to cultivate the soil for you to be the seed in. Let the Holy Spirit do that job. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to draw people around you to the Lord. All you are meant to do is be the seed. But if you try to taint the seed, you try to make the seed a little bit easier to taste. You try to change the seed. You try to become something to get into their soil a little bit easier. You've changed the DNA of what the seed is. And we can't try to muster it up. We can't try to become something. We can't you know, try to make it. We can't try to, to try to change and grow and become on our own. We just need God. We just need God to be in control and to trust him. If you let him do in you and your heart stays right, then don't hinder it. Don't hold it back. Don't try to hold on to anything because the things that you're trying to hold on to are there by the enemy to keep the seed that you are from going into other lives. Because what happens when you're distracted? What happens when you're doing your own thing? Are you a good witness? Are you truly a seed like Christ was in your heart? How does Jesus get into you? How did you find out about Jesus? Ever stop? Think about that. How did you find out about him? Somebody had to become a seed like Jesus. Somebody had to lay down their life and lay down their will and lay down what they wanted. And they had to lay all that down and proclaim the gospel. Somebody took the time to pen down every word into English. Somebody took the time to say, hey, we should put it in the apps. The whole world has changed to electronic we should get the Bible into everybody's hands. Somebody lay down their life like Christ for everything that you have that helps your faith, that builds up your faith. Somebody paid a price. And if you don't pay the price, somebody who's looking for the harvest of your seed is missing out. If you don't realize that you were born for a reason, that God did something in you, and, you know, God doesn't condemn you for being, he didn't say, 
oh, uh, you know, I don't want you to prosper. I don't want you to be big and spread out. The mustard tree goes 20 feet tall and it goes 20 feet wide. He didn't condemn, he doesn't condemn the tree for being spread out and to be healthy and wealthy. He's not condemning the tree for any of those things. What he condemns the tree for is not producing the seed, not being willing to lay it all down to become a seed again in the ground. And every time we hold, this is what I've been preaching on this whole month. Every time we hold in what God has put in you and think it's for us, it dies. This whole universe, everything on earth, rather, everything in this whole world, it dies and produces life. It dies and it produces life. Everything does. It's the circle of life. Everything dies and produces life. That's its purpose. Nobody likes watching the animal planet and watching the little animal get eaten by the bigger animal. I mean, we enjoy it. That's what I'm saying. Nobody enjoys it. I mean, you know, the rest of the world. But that's, the, that's how it works. We may not like the system. We, may not be like, we might be like, God, but I don't want to give up my life. But God, I want to do such and such, and I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I want to fulfill my dreams. You can do that. That's your right. You have that right. But God's telling you that's not why you were made. Do you want to do something that you weren't made to do? Well, it's just going to produce you. It's not going to produce me. But do what I made you to do, and what did he promise us? Let's go back. Let's go back now and let's look. Jesus said, I'm going to lay down my life in John 12. And those who try to hold on to their life will lose it. But those who lay down their life as I am will gain it. And then he says in verse 26, John chapter 12. John, I'm sorry, verse 27. Okay, 26. Thank you. Looking at a little screen. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father, what's it say? Let's read that out loud. The Father will honor anyone who serves me. Do you want man's honor that the second they give it to you, they turn around and stab you in the back? The second you're gone, they hand it over to somebody else and everything's shifting and changing constantly in this world and nobody cares about you after a while. Or do you want God's honor that's eternal? I want God's honor. I don't want my kingdom. And I don't want to be useless to my God. It's like, it's the analogy of a watch. If this watch that I built, let's say I made this, which I can't do. Let's say I could. And it doesn't work. But I made it to be a watch. But it says, well, I don't want to be a watch. I just want to be a, something that sits on your arm. That's what I like doing. I say, well, you have that right, but this is what we're going to do with you. We're going to get rid of you because you're not serving my purpose. See, the Bible can be summed up, I said to you last week, in, in really two words. Grace. And the Old Testament calls it a word, favor. You'll find it. If you go through the Old Testament and you read all these stories, I mean, you can just go from character to character to character and you find this similar theme. 
the spirit of the Lord coming upon the person to do such and such and God's favor on their life. You go to the New Testament, we call it a word named grace. But you find this theme through the Bible, you find God's ability, his favor and his grace over your life and working in your life. And then you find man's response. It's a simple gospel. (laughs) It's a simple gospel. God provides the seed. God provides the opportunities. God provides the world you're in. And by the world you're in, I mean like right here, Wappingers Falls. He puts you, he knows who's around you and he knows how to reach those around you. And you got your gifts, you got your abilities, you got the things you've been through and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you don't even know how it's gonna help so-and-so, but you decide, I believe you, God. I'm gonna sow my life into the ground. I'm gonna lay my life down. I'm gonna keep my heart soft because That's really all that matters. I know you'll grow out of me naturally. You're going to do what you do best if I just stay out of the process. I'm not going to try to help you be God. I'm not going to try to help you change me. What I'm going to do is just keep my heart right, keep it soft before you. You warn me that stuff's going to try to creep in there and take my heart. You warn me that if if it gets hard, the seed's not going to get in there. You warn me to keep it soft. So I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to let you, I'm not going to inhibit. I'm not going to stop because then the Lord will start to try to move out of you. But it's going to cost you. You now no longer are you. Now you've become a seed. You're stationary. You, feel, you could feel stuck. You feel like, well, now I got to stay here. I've become this seed in the ground. But what you're missing is that when well, you feel like you're stuck and you're missing out and that you're not that seed blowing in the wind anymore, but now you're stuck here. You're missing the fact that you're becoming a tree with many, many millions and millions of seeds that will fall from your life. And the Lord's just looking today for you to take your faith what she calls it like a seed. Take the little bit of faith, it's tiny, plant it in the ground today. Plant it in the ground, plant it. He planted in you, so now we're gonna just plant ourselves. It's small, it's tiny, it's insignificant, but the seed becomes something so much more magnificent, so much more beautiful, so much more incredible than you could ever be in yourself. If you stay a seed, you'll always be a seed, but if you lay down your life as a seed, he'll make you a tree. Do you get this? Do you get what the Lord was trying to teach us? Give your life to him and this supernatural thing in the unseen realm. You don't need to understand it because you won't. You won't even understand why it's coming out of you the way it does and why you're becoming the person you are. The only thing you need to worry about is not inhibiting it. Just let God make you who you are and learning to stay where he's put you to realize like Jesus said, like going back and we're closing on that completely. Like Esther said, that is this time for this time. This is the reason that I was born. This is my DNA. And if I want you and I want to serve you, I want to live for you and I want to please you, that I'm just going to do what you called me to do and not try to do my own thing. And then we turn around and you have seeds planted. And then you get the joy of not just seeing seeds, seeing others, but then what happens? We are here today and there are millions and millions. There should be more. 
I'm sad that there's not more, but there are millions of Christians worldwide in every continent, every nation, because somebody was a seed that laid down their life, produced a tree of millions of seeds, who then, as they showered the grounds, they became trees themselves. Do you see the multiplication? Do you see what God can do with just little you? Jesus showed us that we are all here because of one little act. It wasn't a little act supernaturally, but to the people of the day, they just thought a man was being crucified as a criminal. The world didn't even realize. They just laughed and walked away. They scoffed him right there when he's on the cross. They're laughing at him in that moment because they didn't realize that that small act in their eyes was going to create a giant tree. The kingdom was going to expand, and, and it's unstoppable once it starts growing. In fact, as I close, the mustard tree is actually, it's almost considered a weed because it grows so wild. It's like uncontainable. And I read this, uh, one of the variants of the mustard seed is it has a plant. It doesn't grow up like a tree, it grows like a plant, but it's in California. And it grows so wild that there's all these things, if you live in the region, that you're supposed to do living there to keep its growth because it just grows. And that's really what happens. If you just let God do something, you're going to do something. It's going to be so much bigger and greater than you could possibly imagine. But you have to take that one step that we don't want to do. Neither did Jesus. But he realized, this is why I'm here. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to die. Nobody wants to lay down their life. But if you commission that it's not about what I can do and what I can become, but I'll, I will lay down my life for others, it is something, it's just beyond us. It's supernatural that that little tiny thing becomes something so beautiful. And that's natural. Supernaturally, we have no idea what the tree that God has grown. We don't even know what it looks like in the spirit, how beautiful his kingdom, how beautiful his people really are. Little seeds, that's who you are today. Pay the price. Let's stand. Just want to pray. I want to say this first. First of all, this altar is always open. We're going to do that every week from now on, but I'm just going to keep announcing it for a while so you, you get that. I just want you to know that um, when the service is over, the kitchen will be open. You can fellowship, but this altar is open. If you want prayer, you want to commit some things to the Lord, you need the, to ask the Lord for some help in your life, this altar is always open. And I want you to know that every week. But Lord, we just thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you, God, that you love us so much that you preserved your word. I can't get tired of saying that. I thank you, Lord, that you preserved it for us so that we could be encouraged, so that we wouldn't be surprised one day when we get to the other side and you say to us, hey, I'm so pleased with what you've done, good and faithful servant. Good and faithful servant, that's what the Bible tells us is the call. That's what we want to hear when we get to the other side. Not, you did so-so, and I'm, it's okay, you just made it. Good and faithful servant, and we have time left. Let's pay the price and become what you've called us to be, God. We thank you, Lord, that we can only do it through you. It's your seed in us anyway, and you're the tree. It's all your DNA. We need to get that, but Lord, we can't restrict you. Just let you Take us where you want to take us. Let us grow, Lord, into what you want us to grow into. And we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.